0: Psalm 8, 1 through 5. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place... What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Well, guys, let's get into it. I- I've loved this time in the Psalms, and we're in Psalm 8. So go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles, if you have a Bible, or your app, or whatever it is that you use, and it'll be up here on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible with you, can you hold your hand up high? Um, slip it up and keep it up, okay? Don't do this thing. Keep it up high so they can see you, when the ushers will get you a Bible. También, um, si quieres la Biblia en español, solamente levanta su mano y diga español, um, SOS es regalo um, a usted. Okay, if you don't own a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to make sure that you have a Bible that you can keep and understand in your own language, and underline stuff and put your name in. So again, if you don't own a Bible, please keep this. Okay, we would love for you to have it and read God's Word. And um, with that, we're going to get in. Let me let me pray. Okay, that God would lead us, because. Um, Uh, As we love to say, and as his word says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever and is profitable for teaching and for every facet of life. So let's come humbly before our great God and learn from him through his word. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we love you and we need you. And, um, Lord, I don't know where everyone is at this morning, where people are coming from, whether AC units broke or other such things, or there's strife in the home, or, or just excitement, or on vacation, or whatever it might be. Um, Lord, you are a great God, as we will hear about this morning. And you, Lord, you speak to us individually and communally to shape us as your people. So we expect and pray that you, the Holy Spirit, will speak through the, the word of God and will use my, uh, my, my words, um, or to, to, to shape us and to lead us as your disciples, your followers. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me, let me ask you, right? We asked last week and we, we talked about this as we dove into the Psalms. How do, um, you, know, how do you go about your life? Like we tend, I, my guess is in our in our world today, we tend to compartmentalize our lives. We tend to go through the motions, right? We're here at church, we're at Sunday, you know, here on Sunday, and then we go to the next thing. And, and we all have different ways that we go about our lives. And one, and one of the things that we learn in the Psalms, we learn a lot of things, but it most specifically teaches us about the character and the works of God. And then from there, who we are and how we're called to live and what that means in relationship to God. And then from there, how we pray, how we carry on an ongoing life of dependence and conversation and relationship with God. So as we get into it, let me just ask you again this morning to be thinking about your own life. Like what were you thinking about? What were you doing, you know, Friday afternoon, yesterday, this morning? Is there a a division? What does it look like for you to go before God or to make sense of a relationship with God? Because I, I learned from a particular type of poetry, as I was preparing for this sermon, I was looking at the sermon. Um, it's designed in a certain way, right? It's a type of, of song or poetry. It's called a chiastic prayer, and it, it starts with one phrase, and then it ends with that same phrase, and then it kind of works up an arc and a back down on its way. And some of you are like, I don't even need to you know, know about that. But we learn something from that, from how the author intended it to be written. As I was preparing, I kind of looked into different types of Poetry, and I actually asked a friend who's a kind of a connoisseur, or an expert in this particular type of poetry um, or, or or song, that uh, you know what for some advice. And so he gave me some examples that I'm going to read to you. This one, okay? This is again a modern poem that I read. It starts like this: Suddenly, this crazy world made more sense to me. Well, I heard it today, and I couldn't help but sing along. Because every time I heard that song, I go back to a two-toned shortbed Chevy, driving my first love out to the levee, living life with no sense of time, and I go back to the feel of a 50-yard line. This is deep, guys. A blanket, a girl, some raspberry wine. Okay, anyone know what kind of poetry that is? It's country, that's right. I am definitely not an expert in this music. Um, this particular poem, if you will, was, uh, it's called I Go Back by Kenny Chesney. Let me just read you another one just for, for fun. And, but we, do, we can learn some things here, okay? And this, this helps us prepare as we learn from God's word. This other one, some of this stuff is just downright hilarious, by the way. And just like kind of disturbing. So I was hauling hay, I was feeding the hogs, And that summer sun had me sweating like a dog, so I cooled off in the creek. Then I was back to work in the daggum heat. I was cussing out loud. I don't know if I just said a cuss word, by the way, Daggum! I don't even know what that means, but (laughs) thinking about quitting, looking back now, I'm sure glad I didn't, because just when I thought it couldn't get no hotter, I caught glimpse of the farmer's daughter. How many of you guys knew Some of you guys are laughing. You know this stuff. We'll have a time. We, are, we already have the confession, but you can come back and ask for prayer. If, you're, if you were about... Some of you guys are like, your feet were moving while I was reading that. Man, that talk about raspberry wine. I don't even... That's Man, surely it came out of a box, like no doubt. So this is high class stuff here. But something about country music that, that really, I think, exposes us, right? Some of us just get into it. You get in. You kind of nod your head. You just kind of sit back and you think about life. And two things... That we see here in country music is, is again, I uh, consulted with one of these uh, professional country music uh, connoisseurs, Jack Carlson. We know and love Jack. We sent him to be a missionary to the other side of the world. And before he left, I said, Jack, I got to talk to you. I need some help. And it was about this, because he knows all this stuff. But one thing, though, that we learn about country music is this, okay? You don't compartmentalize, right? Like we compartmentalize. And especially in our prayers sometimes, we think about going before God and our understandings of God and how that relates to our everyday life. We go in and we start thinking, man, well, I got to get it just right. I got to get this part. And then I start here. And I don't know where to start. But, man, country songs just go, go at it, right? Like I'm go- It's like sarsaparilla and, you know, kicking dogs. And then next thing you know, a NASCAR comes into the scene. And then, you know, I went hunting and, and I fed the hogs. And it's all over the place. But it's real life. Like, it's where you're really at, right? People are just going, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on in my life, and it's connected with a common thread. It's all about the, the true love. Like, again, whatever the song might be, raspberry wine and sweating and saying dad gum, and then all of a sudden, the true love of my life, right, comes into the picture. I know it's kind of silly. But, but, but seriously, in our prayer life, and, and we see throughout the Psalms, the common thread is these two things. You see that the author and the whole way that they were edited and put together, that the Psalms would be read from cover to cover, is that you see the full breadth of everyday life. Is that you see wherever you're at, whether you're in a low, whether you're in a high, whether you're in sometimes the even harder places, the kind of seemingly mundane, like I don't know how to feel right now. I don't... I don't know where I am. I'm just kind of there. And the psalmists and the editors who put the psalms together were meant to encourage God's people that wherever you're at, in whatever part of life that you're at, you're tied together through that common thread. That's your first love, your true love, the one who created you, the one who knows you. As one of the psalms will say that we'll be in in a few weeks here, um, Psalm 139, who knit you together in your mother's womb that God is there, his character is true, as we read this morning about his good character and about his works, and then we learn from there how to make sense of ourselves and how to understand ourselves and how to live our lives in light of our relationship with this God. We can learn that we need to bring whatever it is that we have, wherever we are, before a God who is transcendent and great and has made himself close and near. And he calls you to make him the common thread. Wherever you're at, whatever it might be, to look to Him. So with that, are you guys re- ready? Learn with me from the Psalms about this God who's calling, who has called, who's revealing Himself to you, and says, hey, come come and give me your life. I, I will make sense of what is seemingly undiscernible, and-, and I will show you who I am. And he starts right here. The psalmist begins with adoration, looking at God. Psalm 8, verse 1. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above. The heavens. All right, let, let's pause for a moment because not only during sermons and during this time together we don't just hear kind of you know something. We we learn how to read our Bibles as well. Okay, as I said, if you don't have a Bible, keep the one that we've given you. If you didn't raise your hand and you don't, we'll have some in the back there. We want you to have a Bible. Again, this is God's word given for you to learn and to shape your life from. And something to learn is take note of things that stick out to you as you read through. And I challenge and encourage you to read through the Psalms, cover to cover, Psalm one to Psalm one fifty. Throughout the summer, as we're not going to preach on every one, but work your way through it and pray through the Psalms and, 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 and make note of things that stick out to you. And it might seem, wow, there, why does he redundantly say, oh, Lord, our Lord? Like, hey, Dave, Dave, yeah. And then, right, that's like, that's maybe how this feels. But if you notice in your Bibles and if you read Hebrew or if we read Hebrew, we would notice um, something here. That, that first Lord is... In all capitals, right? Anytime you see that in the in the in the scriptures, specifically in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, that's the the, the covenantal name of God that He has given Himself. That's Yahweh. Okay, or, or you see it Y-H-W-H, and that is um, and that is I am that I am, or I am who I say I am, and then that next word is 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 our Lord, and you see capital L, right? But then lowercase after that. And those are different words. And that means something for us because this begins with the majesty, a, a, a looking up, an adoration, a worship of God. As this psalmist enters into this this, this 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 time of prayer, begins with, "Oh Lord," like the Lord. Again, that name Yahweh or Yahweh means means the the one. Who, who cannot be given a name by anyone else, the one who has no beginning and no end, but who is in fact the beginning and the end, the Lord. And this comes from uh, the book of Exodus when, when Moses was commanded by God to go and to lead his people, to be God's people and to lead them. And Moses is like, who should I say sent me? And God says, well, tell them that, 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 that Yahweh has sent you that this is the name that, that, that you are to tell the people how they're to know me, that I am has sent you. And, and again, that name, I am, it, it means I am who I say I am, right? He, he wasn't being mean, but it is kind of a, like, check yourself, okay? I, I will be who I tell you I am. And I am the one who has no origin, but the one who created everything, the one who leads over all things. And in fact, John, Calvin speaks of God in this way that again we understand the covenantal that God is transcendent as we talked about last week and imminent that he's made himself near because he because Yahweh was understood by the Israelite people as 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 I am right the, the one with whom you have to do is how John Calvin said it that God or Yahweh is the one with whom you have to do it's the one that you, it's not just your idea of God. It's not, you know, I think God is this, or I like to think of God as this. But no, this is saying this is the real God before whom you will stand one day. The one who created you, the one who, who, who has the responsibility to give purpose and identity and meaning and light and darkness and, and earth and sea who you'll stand before one day, the one with whom you have to do, the one with whom you will relate. This is God. But then if you notice, it it shifts, right? So there's this Yahweh, this idea out there. But then the psalmist moves on and he says, our Lord, like our practical, real life, leader, master, ruler, that's what that meant, that Lord meant, right? So, you guys are familiar with like medieval times, or right? You hear people called Lord this or Lord that, and that is a, a title of authority. And so, they say, the God, the creator of the heavens and earth, I am the one who, um, in, in modern day um, Judaism, they don't even say that, that, that word. Um, and they're like, it's such a high, transcendent God who's our Lord, who's our everyday real-life ruler, the one who has to do with our coming and our going, with our unpaid bills, with our finances, with our struggles, with our, our concerns and our questions, the one when I don't know what to do with my, with my major, my degree, when I'm at a fork in the road and I don't know where to go, the Lord I am, who has made himself near And who rules and leads in the very practical reality of everyday life. God is great. And and, and this psalmist begins his prayer, begins his understanding with the bigness of God. Who is God? What does it look like to have a relationship with him? What does it look like to commune with him, to relate with him? Well, he's great. And he almost doesn't know where to go. And then in verse 2, he continues. And he now looks at another element of God's greatness. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. And so this is a this is an acknowledgement, okay? This is this is like we need to again lean in to understand here that he's saying God, you're great, right? You could do whatever. You created things with just your words, and you could still your enemies. Like, like someone comes up and fronts on God, and he could do whatever he wants, and what does he do? Does he, does he just defeat them with you know, lightning bolts? Does he puff up his chest and go like, all right, let's go? No, he, he uses the weakest to defeat his enemies and his challengers. Infants, and not just infants, but their words, like, hypothetically speaking, this is like an NBA team that could very easily win the, the, the championship with their starters, but wants to really show their strength and use their bench to defeat, you know, the Cleveland Cavs, hypothetically, <laughs> right? Like, we could beat you with all our all-stars, MVPs, Hall of Famers, but we're going to use our bench to really, really win this whole thing. Some of you guys don't know what I'm even talking about, but... There's this thing called sports, and I do use those uh, illustrations a lot. But it's that kind of idea that God's like, I could do whatever I want here to defeat my enemies, but I I, I use infants, the seemingly weak, the the one that you wouldn't expect, and that's who God uses to to establish his purposes and to defeat his enemies. And, And so the psalmist is like, oh God, our God, our Lord, Yahweh, the one who rules intimately over us who uses infants to reveal his greatness by using the seemingly weak to defeat what is broken to defeat any enemy and we'll see what that enemy is as time goes on here but and then he goes on in in verse 3 and he continues and he just kind of steps back again when I look at your heavens The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. There's just this awe and wonder. Again, guys, get like, we could get whiplash in our prayers, get in the habit of looking up. And just, I can't even fathom, and then looking at the imminent, at the close, at the at the near, right? Last week we saw in Psalm 1 that the psalmist used a tree in the illustration of very real stuff, right? And said, like, use this to, to fuel your prayer. Understand your relationship with God as a tree that is dependent on, 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 on deep, roots next to a stream and understand so use and then and then he just steps back and is like but I continue to to I can't even fathom the greatness of God I look at the stars and I look at the all the things that you've created the works of your fingers and, and I'm just overwhelmed with the greatness of God and as always ought to be the case, guys. As you, as, you, as you think about who is God and how do you relate with him, the God with whom you have to do, who is he and how does that affect your life, the comings and goings, the ups and downs and nuances, think country song style again, you think about that God. What it, what it leads us to and the way we see the Psalms is it eventually leads us to introspection. Right? Like, is that, has that been true for you? As, you? as you stop for a moment and you think of who is God, or perhaps you're here and you don't have a, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or you, you maybe believe in a, in, a, in, a, in a nameless, faceless God that you're not sure of and who is distant and far and, and just kind of out there. Well, even, even as you wrap your mind around that, it causes you to think about yourself in some way. Like, well, who am I? How do I fit into that? If there is a God, if there were a God, would it be a God that I would want to relate with? Would it be a God that would really care about me? Like, where do I fit into this whole thing? Right? And I think in our arrogant, like, consistent, selfie-taking world, I know I just played my cards, my age there. Some of you are like, you don't get it. The intricacies and the beauty of, you know, selfies. Don't even get it, old man. I don't. But, um, (laughs) But we probably think about ourselves a lot. But, 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 but what this shows us is, is, step back for a moment, consider God, consider your place in the world, consider your smallness, okay, and that's not just a short joke for me, like all of us, in comparison to God Almighty, but then at some point, we're not just left there, we're now left with like, okay, now where do I fit into this whole thing? I still am an individual, I do still have a self, so I guess selfies are okay sometimes, and you know, where do I fit into this whole thing? Well, the psalmist continues, and, and what he'll see is he sees God is great, and, and man, I am small. And that's where he goes in verse 4. He says, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? He goes introspection, and, and, and whenever you rightly see God, okay, um, one man once said, scarcely does a sin occur. Okay, a sin is simply not God. It's brokenness in the world. Seemingly small stuff and massive stuff, like what Joel prayed for this morning. The horrific murder of 20 people, image bearers of God. And we've seen this in all kinds of ways in our world this year. Just horrible murder, unjust oppression of different peoples and people groups, horrible things going on. And when you see that, you you step back and you ask, man, what what is it? What are people? And sin sin is people. Image bearers of God created people who God created with a purpose living apart from God, saying, I've got it, I'm gonna do it on my own. And sin is the result and the effect of not God. It's the world as it's not supposed to be. It's the world separated from God's character and rule and reign and authority and purposes. And so you see that in every way. And so, and so this, 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 this person steps back and just says, "Where um, who am I? Like, who am I that you would think of me God, who said, let there be light, fills his thoughts with you. Like, let that sink in for a minute. I, I, like, what is, your, what is your self-image like right now? If you're on the arrogant side of the spectrum and maybe you, you think of yourself as like, hey, I'm pretty amazing if there is a God out there, he or she or it is really lucky to have me prescribed to, that so you know i'm i'm, I'm solid in this this is and i believe every time you truly and authentically come before god and his word we will get checked and we will see wow uh the, the the lord i am the one who has no beginning and no end the alpha and the omega who rules over all things from on high and from close like that will put you in your place and then, hopefully, that brings you to a place, a humble place, of saying, well, who am I? God, who am I that you would even think of me? Like, why would you even think about me? Does God think me? Like, perhaps that's a question you're wondering. Does God care about me? Does God think about me? Do I relate with this God in any way? Well, guess what God did in the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and all this stuff that we've talked about, the stars, the galaxy, all that you look out and you see the majesty of God, Right? Oh, oh Lord, our Lord, right, whose name, whose majestic name fills all things. He said, Let's make man in our image. I want to create individuals who, on their own and in their relationships with each other, will reflect me. That there's no other way that all of God's vast creation will rightly and appropriately reveal who He is His greatness, His splendor, His beauty, His power. Then through you and your neighbor and me and us together, there is infinite value and worth if you're a human being because God created you with purpose and identity that is founded in him. And God said, live, flourish, multiply, have dominion over all things, be my agent, my ambassador, have dominion, exercise, live freely based on your dependence and your relationship with me. But we said, no, thanks, God. Um, I I think I would rather be I am. I mean, that's cool that you're I am, and that's cool that I am created and that you created me to to flourish and to thrive and to have incredible value and worth, infinitely so, because I'm yours. But, man, I kind of want to give my hand. I kind of want to try my hand at the wheel. I kind of want to try my... That was another country song, right? (laughs) Man, I swear that's not me. Um, but uh, he, he, we said, Adam and Eve originally, and from their default, all of us, by nature and by choice, are sinners, fallen, or the more appropriate word in Scripture is rebellious. No thanks, God, I want to do it on my own. I want to I wanna live, I want to flourish, I want to thrive by what I decide is right and good. And that's where sin entered into the world. And so what you have is God saying, have dominion, rule this earth, rule my creation as my agents, as my image bearers through your relationship with me. And let me ask you, how's that going? How's it going for you individually ruling your own life in light of your smallness separated from God according to what you decide and discern needs to be right? How's that going? How's it going for us? How's the world around us? I think if we're honest with ourselves, especially in light of the news we just heard this morning or pausing back and already hearing from friends, some of us are experiencing, man, it it sure doesn't seem like what's good, right, true, and beautiful is ruling and reigning over God's creation. It seems like cancer and death and dementia and, and divorce and disunity and poverty and ultimately death. Not God. It seems like that's ruling and reigning. And so rightly, this psalmist asked that question in verse 4. Well, now what? We have a massive conundrum here. God who is great and we who are small. Well, how do we live our lives in light of that? There's a problem that's entered into the equation. And thankfully, God doesn't say, well, good luck with that. All right. You made your bed. Now go and sleep in it. But we see that God is great and we are small and God has chosen to send Jesus to restore us to the greatness that God has created us for. In verse 4 and then going on in verse 5, it picks up here. Now we see God's answer, God's solution to the problem. And again, if you're here and you're wondering, how do I make sense of this world I'm in? What what do I do? How do I make sense of God is great and and beyond and above and transcendent? And And this guy's talking about God has made himself close and yet I am small and he's made me realize all the more just how small and how broken and how fragile my life really is. Now what? Verse 5, the reflection continues. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. The psalmist is reflecting and considering about himself and about mankind on behalf of all mankind And then all of a sudden here goes into not even realizing that there's a prophetic prayer that begins here. That God's solution for restoring what has been broken, God's solution for go, be my image bearers and flourish as you relate and depend on me, that and the brokenness between the world that we live in, not God, sin-saturated world today, of us ever aware of our smallness, God said, I will send one. Back in verse 2, what does it say? An infant? I will send an infant. In fact, I will descend myself, almighty God, and to restore what has been broken. If you have a Bible, you can turn over to Hebrews chapter 2 with me, or it'll be up here on the screen. But let me read where the author of Hebrews quotes this very psalm, and it's all throughout the New Testament. This same psalm, Psalm 8, is quoted, and we see here clearly that God's answer to the problem that you and I individually and we together find ourselves in is to descend as an infant and to restore what has been broken in seemingly laughable ways. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 5. For it was not to the angels that God subjected the world to come of which we are speaking. So let me tell you this in in Hebrews just... Super quick aside, the author of Hebrews is basically reflecting on God and reflecting on the problem that we are in, the problem that we're talking about right now of what do we do and how do we relate with Almighty God and what does that even look like? And how is God gonna restore this whole thing? And and the author of Hebrews walks through some some of the some of the like some of the big dogs in the Old Testament. Well Moses is is who is Jesus? Is Jesus where does he fall in line here? Where where does he fall in the pecking order? And he's revealing that God's answer to the problem is is Jesus there's no other answer to the problem that we find ourselves in and so the author of Hebrews walks through and says is it Moses is it Abraham no no oh I know it's got to be angels Jesus is a little bit lower than angels where does he fall in the pecking order and the author of Hebrews is revealing no no no. Jesus is fully God and fully man and he is the one who restores all that is broken he is the one who connects the transcendence of God to the imminence that he has chosen to give us, the the closeness to make himself near. Jesus is the only way. And angels, lest we think, like what comes to mind when you think of angels? Those of you who have been going here who come to redemption a lot, you know that I I, I pick fun at that. But I I would, if you're asked, draw me an angel right now, it's gonna be a little chubby baby wearing a diaper with wings that clearly can't hold its little chubby body, right? And it's playing a harp somehow. and And it's like, okay, that's an angel. But that is not the biblical picture of angels. Angels in in the scripture, by the way, whenever any human or animal came face to face with an angel, they they were terrified or bowed down usually in worship because it was like, clearly this is God. God has revealed himself here to me. in angels, or in humans, in animals, there's this one really funny story where a guy is on a donkey and his donkey stops and he starts punching the donkey. And then finally the angel's like, look, the donkey saw what you didn't see. So all that to say this is a way, we're way off course here. All this to say angels are magnificent beings. Like beautiful, fearful, sometimes sword-wielding, just crazy beings, okay? Not little chubby babies. So when the, the author here in Hebrews is revealing the greatness of Jesus, he says for a little while, he chose to stoop himself down below angels to be like you and me. And picking back up, verse 6, it has been testified somewhere, we know that's Psalm 8, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And then down in verse 9. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely, who? Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God... He might taste death for everyone. God is great. I am, O Lord, our Lord. And because of our own sinful choice, our decisions, because of our arrogance, because I want to do life, I want to do me, YOLO, I want to get what I want to get, I want to do my own thing, no thanks, God. I've got it from here. Because of that, death rules and reign. Sin, not God. Hopelessness, what are we going to do? Death is knocking, right? Death and taxes. We can all bank on it. What do we do? Well, God's answer is what we saw back up earlier in verse two. In a seemingly silly way, he would lower himself as an infant born of a virgin in a stinky manger with no glorious receival, no hey, I brought you little onesies and bunnies and... No, just obscurely born. God, I am, chose to come and to take on human flesh. And then, again, as verse 2 reveals, how does he win? What's his victory? In a laughable, crazy way. How did he defeat his enemies, right? Verse 2 Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Sin and death is the enemy of you and me and us. The world as we know it, what happened this morning, whatever brokenness in your life, whatever question you have, wherever you are at, the greatest enemy of God's good creation and of you and I flourishing as his people is sin and death. And how does God deal with it? Through death. Jesus laid his life down on a cross. This, is, this would be laughable. People reading this would say no one in their right mind is going to win that way. That's just not how you do it. That's pathetic. And that's how God chose to establish and reveal his greatness. To solve the problem that you are that you and I are in though God is great and we are small and broken and desperate apart from him he has descended himself and entered into our smallness and then victoriously rose from the dead after laying his life down on the cross and revealed as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 all things were made subject to him again we just saw that here in verse 6 of Psalm 8 look with me you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. That's the world that God created us. That's the promise that he gave to Adam and Eve, to mankind, but because of our sin, we're broken from that, we're hopeless, and then Jesus brought back and ushered in what you and I could never do, like an infant, in a silly way, laying his life down on a cross, victoriously, triumphantly, and then raising from the dead, and in first. Corinthians chapter 15, where the author Paul talks about the dominion and the providence and the authority and the ruling reign. And again, hear me, the transcendent and the imminent, the far and the present, the intimate details of your life are ruled over by a God who lowered himself, was born would be an infant, died on a cross, rose from the dead so that all things would be put under his authority so that all things would be subject to him. And if you wonder if he's good, God's great, we're small. You look no further than the cross. If you wonder right now, if you're here and you're wondering, you know, how, how does God think of me? Maybe, how do, you, how do you think of yourself again? Does depression and anxiety and insecurity rule and reign in your life? When you look in the mirror, when you come when you relate with other people, when you enter into community, when you hear us talk a ton about community and you wonder, you say, that just scares me. People scare me. What are people going to think of me? What are, I, I've got, I, I'm, I'm worried about this. I can't admit my sin. I can't ask for help. I can't ask for prayer. I can't, I can't go any further because I'm, 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 I'm captured by fear. We'll, we'll, it's because you don't understand, and this isn't meant to condemn you. It's meant to draw you in to the presence of God that he delights over you. You fill his mind. Who am I? What is man that that God would be mindful of me? You're, You're his image bearer. You're his beloved. He's calling you to put your faith in him, to put your trust in him, to be restored as his image bearer, to find your worth and your value and your purpose in him. And so you're called, and the action point here for us guys is to is to prayer, is to is to is to look out and to say, say, God, I don't understand. I've got so much messiness in my life, but I know you're great. And I know that apart from you I'm small. But I know that you haven't left me there. I know that you've sent your son Jesus to restore me as your son or daughter, to give me life, to give me purpose, to give me hope, to give me direction so that together and individually we can be God's people from beginning to end. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, so that now as we respond to him, as we live our lives, as you go out from here, I don't know what you have planned this afternoon, I don't know what you're doing tomorrow, I don't know what it looks like for you. I know there's highs and lows and wherever it is, but it begins and ends with the reality that God is great. And then it's informed by the fact that he's used that greatness to give you life and hope and purpose and meaning so that with the words of our mouth, with the meditations of our heart, with the, with the lives that we live, with our relationships with each other, with our coming and our going, with our, with our struggles, with our rejoicing, wherever it might, might be, that our lives can proclaim and demonstrate, oh God, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, And that defines me, and that defines us. In the name of Jesus, let's pray together. Lord, um, we do thank you for uh, this time that we've had with you. Um, Thank you for your word, God. Thank you for the time that we've had together and individually. Again, I don't know where everyone is this morning, um, but you do. God, I I don't want to move past that right now. Lord, I don't want to move past the fact that there are very likely people here in this room who, who are wondering, God, do you even care about me? God, are you even, is there even a God? And I don't know how you, how you choose to break into their lives. I don't know how you want to reveal yourself to them, but, but I know that you are and that you have through your word or through this time, through the singing, through the, the reality of Jesus. So I pray, God, that you will do work right now And God, I pray that the effect will be that we together, communally, corporately, as your people, will live our lives in light of your greatness and that we will find our worth and our value and our purpose and our living out of who you are and who you have made us through coming and through defeating your enemy, death and sin, and our enemy through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. In his name we respond and worship and pray. Amen.